Guys, this episode, episode season two, episode three, suppose you're in a relationship that isn't working or certainly not as well as you would like it to. Maybe there isn't enough of something, something you once had, something you don't know exactly what it is that's missing. You feel a growing emptiness and want to do what you can to salvage this thing. And while it takes two willing parties to make a relationship work, we're going to discuss some things today that might help you at least identify what may not be working and how you might make some adjustments to have a happier relationship than you do now. And we're going to present four critical elements to a happy partnership and what you might want to do to try to fix what isn't working. You're a man that controls his own destiny. A man that is always in the pursuit of being better. You are in the right place. You are responsible. You are strong. You are a leader. You are a force for good. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum. Welcome back, you guys. Brad Singletary here. Welcome back to the Alpha Corn Show. I'm here with my buddy Taco Mike. What's up? How you doing, man? How you super rad? How you surviving this week? We're, we're we're really into this thing pretty pretty well now. About three weeks, this whole Corona thing. How the, are you guys? This is the real deal. This is a big deal. <laughs> people are flaming out. People are doing great. People are thriving. People are crashing and burning. I'm seeing it all. I'm kind of like been monitoring what some of the dudes have been saying, and I'm seeing both sides. Like there's guys who are treating this and using this as like this huge jumpstart to all kinds of cool things that maybe they've just they need to get going in their life guys see this as opportunities and as many of them i see dudes are freaking out tripping out tripping balls it's both sides <laughs> i loved your your uh video of you riding your bike down some stairs on the strip that was so cool that looked like you had a whole group of guys with you i have some buddies who like to ride bikes and we took the opportunity at these the are bicycles i know you talk about dirt bikes these are he's not on a dirt bike on the strip he's out with bicycles with his buddies that was awesome to see you guys out there yeah it was good because there's nobody down there there's no pedestrians there's no vehicle traffic no foot traffic and it's illegal to ride bicycles on the las vegas strip except when there's a pandemic and there's no people there. And so I thought, wow, what a great opportunity to go ride bicycles. So me, a couple other dads and our boys, we went down and we rode bicycles down the strip. We kind of bombed through the fashion show mall. We went over curbs and downstairs and it was awesome. Super yeah, rad. It was awesome. Good to see you guys out there doing that. So we've got a great, uh, we've got a great show plan today. We're going to be talking about some of the building blocks of a solid relationship. Some of our content is going to be borrowed from uh, Professor Robert Sternberg. Uh, Dr. Sternberg is a professor of human development in the College of Human Ecology at Cornell University. He attended Yale and Stanford University and is considered one of the top 100 psychologists of the 20th century. His model that I saw a few years ago. I really just like this model. It's very simplistic, but I love it. His model is called the triangular theory of love. And it teaches that there are three important elements to a loving relationship, passion, intimacy, and commitment. And we're going to kind of break those down and talk about what each of those mean. And really, I guess the point of this, Mike, is to help guys have a, a simple framework to kind of evaluate their relationship, what's working, what isn't, and where do you kind of categorize the part that's not working. So if you have none of those three, passion, intimacy, or commitment, you have no relationship. Makes sense. If you have intimacy only, and we're going to define these a little more clearly later, but if you have intimacy only, you have a buddy. 
so there's no commitment and there's no or you uh, have like a hookup you've got no a booty pa- call no, no passion yeah so if there's if there's passion only maybe that's just your kind of lovers spring fling type of situation if you have commitment only and no passion or intimacy that's just you kind of have a roommate you're together you've decided that you're going to be together but no connection in terms of warmth and intimacy and no passion. You're like roommates. Some of you have those marriages and relationships. I I hear it all the time. If you have intimacy and commitment, that's just a friendship. That's a BFF, what he calls companionate love, uh, intimacy and passion. Now that's the love affair. That's the romantic kind of thing. There's no commitment there, but you're close and you have this passionate connection. Uh, I won't go through all these combinations here, but basically he calls non-love the absence of all three and consummate love is when you have all of those, all of those three, uh, combined characteristics. And he kind of has this, this triangular model. I'll post in the, uh, in the, in the notes here, a a graphic that he uses that kind of describes this, but each of these things can strengthen the other. So if you have a very close, uh, intimacy, a level of connection that can increase the passion in your relationship. So there's a few questions that we're going to answer today. Uh, What are the factors that can create a healthy sense of passion in a relationship? How do you develop intimacy with your partner? What is the role of commitment in good relationships? And how do we improve our ability to resolve conflicts? This is something that I added. That's the fourth leg on this little table here. Um, how do we improve our ability to resolve conflicts in relationships? So, Dr. Singletary bringing it in. Serious. <laughs> Each of these could be their own show. Maybe one day we, we, we do actually break these down a little bit more, but I love these little, these types of frameworks where a guy can kind of review where he's at on through some model that we may present and see how he's doing. So let's talk about passion. What do we mean by that? What are we talking about when we're talking about passion? So this guy, Dr. Sternberg, he's referring to the romance, the physical attraction, uh, sexual fulfillment. This includes fun, arousal, satisfaction, those kinds of things, passion. I think we can we understand where, he, where he's coming up from there. Mike, I'm curious, how does the guy who's not very alpha, how does he handle passion in his relationship? What's he doing? So you're talking about passion. I mean, I thought I want to put a framework on this, understand it. So passion doesn't just mean like sexual intimacy, sexual passion. You're just, are you, you painting a broad picture? of? Like, yeah, I would say he's talking about kind of intensity of feeling. He's talking about excitement, fun. And yes, he is talking about the, you know, maybe the physical sexual type of connection. Um, but there's other things there too. This, the energy, the exchange of energy between you. Okay. Um, so the question was again, how does the guy who doesn't know what he's doing, the non-alpha, you're how ta- does he... Okay, so you're talking the about the who's clumsy doing lover. Yeah, the clumsy dude. Okay, the high school frat boy who like still thinks like um, he's smooth and putting moves on, on, his, on his woman. So are we defining this in terms of like, this is our spouse, this is our wife, okay? So are you, you we're thinking, we've got a guy who is married mm-hmm. and is a clumsy lover. Yes. He is a, um, he's a groper. He's, he's, he's a fast mover. He doesn't understand how to read cues. He doesn't know how to read the temperature of his wife. He doesn't know how to sense that the mood is there or isn't there. He doesn't know how to help uh, facilitate the mood. 
And the things that he's doing is either helping his cause or hurting his cause. Like he's completely blind, oblivious and unaware of any of that. Is that kind of a... Yeah, exactly. So he's complaining that the passion is, is dead or she won't have sex with me or whatever, but he doesn't understand his own his own contribution to that lacking. Yeah. So I was. it's funny that we're talking about this exact topic because the other day, um, I don't know why this thought stream crossed my mind, but I have done uh, a lot of gardening, a little like agricultural farming, like urban farming, greenhouse, I've had greenhouses, um, all kinds of ways that I've been involved in that sort of hobby and pursuit. And one of the things that has occurred to me is that I don't create the plant, but I create the conditions that, mm. that facilitate a successful plant. So I don't get to, I don't have the power or, and I don't get to create a seed. I don't get to create the biochemical reactions that happen between the seed and the soil and the water and the sunlight, the transference of the, uh, of all of those biochemical forces, all that energy that's happening back and forth. I don't get to create any of that. That's all been predetermined. It's, it's all been set. All I can do is facilitate the success of that. I can either help it or hurt it based on too much or too little of something. And that is absolutely how it is in, in my, maybe I was thinking about my wife and just sort of all those dynamics. I don't get to create what she thinks, how she feels. I have no, those, those sort of like pieces of energy are inside of her. And I don't, I, I don't, I didn't shape them or create them, but what I can do and what's what, what I can take not take, I want to be careful with that word, as an alpha, what I can do is I can learn and mature and facilitate all of the right conditions to create the right environment for whatever outcome it is that that I want to have or I need to have. So I've got needs, she's got needs, and I have wants. And so if I can be mature and realize, here's a quick aside, maybe I've got some wants that I shouldn't have. Maybe I want some things sexually that are just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So maybe I need to get a hobby. <laughs> maybe i need to get a punching bag down in the basement and i need to work some of that weirdness out like it's not wrong let me say this very carefully it's not wrong to have super weird interests or wants nothing wrong with that what may be wrong is introducing that or forcing or coercing someone else who doesn't share that into that then it becomes wrong and if you're in a situation where you want something that's too weird for her, you need to bleed that off. Like, it, I don't know what to tell you. You're, you're pissing her off. You're ruining your cause. If you want to continue, if you're trying to force those things I've had, you've, have you ever had a conversation with a guy like that? Oh yeah. It's, I mean, things about like, I will just say like anal sex or whatever kind of thing that they, that they may be trying to push and they don't, they don't understand why their partner isn't giving them this funky thing that for them is, you know, I, I don't know the specifics you get, I think they know what we're talking about here. We'll keep this family rated. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. So I love what you're talking about. The, this like law of the harvest type of thing. You're the gardener. You don't create the seed. You don't create the plant. You just produce the conditions that may help this thing thrive or not. You know, if the tomatoes aren't blooming, if nothing's growing in your little, in your little square foot garden over there and you're in the passion in your relationship, you got to be looking at what are you, what are you adding? What's, what, what is there too much of or not enough of? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant vision, visual. Yeah. So that farmer, he's got to put in the work, the front end work. Like he has to understand the plant. He has to understand soil. Like there's a, there's some groundwork that that guy needs to invest in, put some time in, 
to figure that stuff out. And so you're in a relationship. Here's this alpha dude. He's in a relationship with the woman. This is like a huge greenhouse of like all kinds of nuttiness. And, and he better, he be, like, why wouldn't he put in the time and the work to try to like figure some of this stuff out? So watch her, read some stuff, listen to some stuff, put in some time, some back end time before he's ready, you know, um, it, so tomatoes, zucchini, broccoli, you're going to, you're going to grow different things. They're different conditions, different seasons. Like you need to understand that. And so this dude, he, why wouldn't he invest some time into figuring out what it means to um, be in a relationship, read some books, do some stuff, listen to a podcast. Hell, listen to a podcast. <laughs> listen to this one. I like it. So we're talking about passion. So that includes the sexual stuff, but it also means so much more. Um, what are other what are other ways in your mind that passion kind of shows up in a healthy relationship? I mean, we, we think of it in terms of the sparks and the, you know, sexual energy, but what other ways can we foster that? What, what else does that mean for a healthy relationship? Passion. I'll tell you mine and then I want to hear yours. So okay. one of the things I think that's important for a dude to do is to create a fun atmosphere in his relationship where both of your guards are down and then you're what's, but like you're playful you're goofing off with each other. You're having little moments of fun throughout the day. And that's all sort of like emotional foreplay. Right. Okay. Yes. So I think that's super important. What, what, what are you? I can't tell you the number of women, the female clients that I've had that have referred to the song from the eighties, girls just want to have fun. And guys are just kind of so serious or they're so wrapped up in their work and they want their, the women just you know, they want to have a little bit of fun. And that may mean a night of dancing or going to a concert. It might mean exploring some new thing or travel. And the guy doesn't want to travel or he only travels alone or he um, doesn't want to spend the money on the thing that she may want to do out That's there on a good da one. date night or whatever. So, That's a good so one. passion is created with fun and novel experiences. Those are some of the things that I I think keeps it interesting. There's some, there's freshness to it. There's some research somewhere that I've came across in the last couple decades that I've been doing this about the couples who have a high level of novelty in their relationship or new experiences, they fare better. Um, there's new things going on and they don't always do the same thing all the time and they have uh, fresh experiences. That's a good one. You know, I know guys who get dug into like patterns and routines. I don't know why men do this, but I've seen myself done this a little bit too. Decide like, I'm not going to do that thing. One to, okay, here's a really good example. When Lisa and I were newly married, I'm a traveler and have traveled a ton and did a ton of traveling beforehand, mostly in the US, mostly on motorcycles and mostly seeing things within the US. And for whatever reason, I was kind of dug in on that. My wife, she has been exposed to global travel and has traveled all over the world. Before we were married, she had, she's clocked a bazillion miles traveling all over the world. So we decided, you know, we'd get in the relationship and we're going to travel together. And so I was super dug in and thought, that my way was better. Like I just wanted to, we're going to travel, but we're just going to, you know, like road trip in the U S cause that's kind of what I was set, set my ways for. And then had resisted going, going international. And then it worked out that we went to Italy. We went with a friend, we went to Naples, we went to Sicily. We traveled for like two weeks through Italy and it was mind blowing. It was insane how awesome it was. And I totally learned what an idiot I was at like getting dug in and thinking whatever way I was in, was stuck and it was the better way. So guys tend to do this thing where like, we only want to do what we want to do the way we want to do it. And our wives may not have like 
good ideas or good advice or good suggestions. And I would say to me personally, when I do that, then, and then I wonder why I don't get good sex or I don't have the relationship, whatever the dynamic in my relationship is down. And I look at all these factors of like why it may be for sure. 50% of that is me. Probably 90% of it might be me and the things I am not wanting to do and I'm closed off to. So do you have any stories about where you kind of realize you're an idiot? I'm such an idiot and I'm a pretty serious guy. You know, I guess I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a very fun dude. You know, I, I, I enjoy fun, but I'm just always in my head. I'm always thinking and something that has occurred to me over, over through, throughout my life and in, in terms of my romantic relationships has been that, um, I c- can be boring and boring is not good. And people like surprises and people like things to be, you know, interesting. And sometimes that means bringing something to them, some gift. Sometimes that means a, a type of uh, quality time um, that they, you know, appreciate. And maybe it's something completely random. Maybe it's a trip somewhere that isn't well-planned. Maybe it's the thing that isn't quite figured out, but you just show up and you can be spontaneous and let it and unfold. Just let things see what happen. Happens. Just see what happens. And that's part <clears> of the adventure. And, uh, and to not be so fussy that we didn't check everything on the list that goes to, to be packed in the, in the vehicle to go take this fun trip. Cause that seems like your tendency is to spreadsheet out the thing. And if we're going <laughs> to, if we're going to go somewhere, we first need to have about a two week planning session before that. Right. And then the, all of the machinations are like getting everything ready. Or you end up talking yourself out of it because of money or whatever the, the kind of thing. That's how I've been super lame. It's have you just not really, is not really pushing forward and, and, and making the cool thing happen. Jump in first, think later. Have you got any stories of where you did jump into something and do something outside of like your comfort zone, outside of what you normally would have done? And uh, how did it go? Well, there was this one time that I danced around in my underwear in a way that was very uncharacteristic of me, and I, w- <laughs> I won't be posting any videos of that. But I, but I kind of thought of I kind of thought of some Jack Black, you know, you know Jack Black, the actor. And the, there's he, a great video right now of him dancing oh, yes, in his backyard, yeah, yeah, like yeah. with a cowboy hat. People love that guy because he's so self. He's he lacks that self awareness. Like he just hangs it there's out no there. Shame. No shame. There's no shame. No, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. And and give think, a give a crap. And every woman I've ever seen watch him do some of these things. If I'm you know with my family members or my wife or other people I've seen, and you look over at the woman who's watching Jack Black dance around, she's smiling, and it's not because of his sexy body. That's not what they're interested in. It's because he's got a freedom to him. That's something I'm trying to work on for myself is just to be able to let go a little bit, be a little bit silly and, uh, you know, not hold back and not worry so much about what people think of me. Um, we got my, my kids, a karaoke machine recently, and I found it very difficult to sing this silly, to just go for it, whatever, you know, and that's what everyone does. Maybe that's why everybody drinks when they do karaoke too. But anyway, (laughs) that's the stuff I need to work on is just the ability to kind of just, not care about how I look and how I seem and just go kind of go for it. That's just cut loose. Yeah, just cut loose. So I was watching something on YouTube the other day and it was, it was a, it was a male and a female psychologist and they were like comparing notes of just the careers that they had had and like what, how do they perceive? And the, the woman, she happened to have a lot of clientele who were like very high level Hollywood people, movie stars, 
people who are like famous and good looking, right? And so the guy asked her, he said, you know, you're dealing with all these people who have very high levels of um, maybe, um, oh, what's the word I'm trying to find? Um, standards, very high standards, okay? In, in, in mates, in relationships. You know, and, she, and he, his question was something like, do these beautiful women have a really hard time because, you know, it's, um, they're super intimidating. And she said, no, because these women are no different. These beautiful, rich women are no different than any other woman. And something to the effect that she said um, that is exactly to, the, to this point, one of the highest markers of like attractiveness is sense of humor. Sense of humor. Sense of humor. And then the ability to not be so self-aware that you can't have fun and enjoy and cut loose. And so the punchline, the takeaway was like, these super hot, rich chicks will take an average Joe if he's got a great, a kick-ass personality, knows how to have fun, makes her laugh, it gives her an enjoyable ride, having fun, that's very high on her list. It, all of those other things that, you know, superficial things are probably important too, but that's like a huge thing. I think guys need to hear that. I think this, this, what we're saying right now, guys need to hear this and remember this, that being spontaneous, being fun, having fun with your kids, having fun with your wife, doing things that are unplanned. And, uh, and this is passion, right? Doesn't this get to passion? Sure. It does. Doesn't it? Yeah. So you make them laugh and you be surprised what happens beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about the, 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 the beautiful person who's with the average guy. I remember this really good looking girl that I liked in college. She told me that her dream guy was David Letterman. You know, so this is, I guess we're 18, 19 years old at the time. And this girl I found really attractive. She said that David Letter, I'm like, David Letterman, yeah, like a dorky older guy David Letterman. What? But because it was because of sense of humor. And I've heard that so many times when people, they tell me all kinds of things in this office, but you know, it's a lot of times those kind of celebrity crushes and things have to do with the person that can be fun. So passion is created with fun. What else goes along with that? We're talking about the physical connection, maybe the sensual stuff, you know, uh, sexual things, attractiveness. I think if you want to be attractive, you should put in a little bit of work. You should put in a tiny bit of care. I know that there are not all guys are the same. And I know guys who spend more time on personal appearance than women. And, <laughs> and, and I would say that those are those that's probably rare. Probably the typical guy has considerably less effort, spends less effort than that and is more of a slob. I think that the two extremes, you got a slob and then a guy who's like a urban sexual or metrosexual. That's oh, a thing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Metrosexual. Yeah, sure. Just, and that's just a guy and that's not a put down, I guess that's just a guy who is very attentive to his personal appearance and that's completely okay. Just like it is as if you're a slob, that's okay. You just have to be willing to accept the consequences. If the, you, those are conditions that for your garden, right? Those you, are the things that you, 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 the passion isn't working out the way you want to. Maybe it has to do with the fact that you don't shower regularly enough. <laughs> you know, you don't brush your teeth. You know, I've heard this so many times from women, like he really stinks. Like he needs to like, I don't know, trim his balls, whatever, whatever she, whatever <laughs> she prefers. You got to know what that is. You got to figure that out. You got to put in the work smells, you know, your clothing, those kinds of things matter. I, I again, I think, yes, the, not only do they matter, but there are consequences to everything that you do. And so if you want an outcome that you need to evaluate and determine what sort of input you could have to get that outcome. So that metrosexual dude, 
looks cute, looks good, styling. There could be a consequence to that. That could be a huge turnoff to women. Women may be intimidated by that. He's prettier than me. So like that may be serving some sort of, you know, ego stretch and there's a consequence. Like there's might be a reason for that. And then the dude who's a slob. Yeah. He's free and he's doing what he wants and F everybody else. I'm just living my, I'm living my bliss or whatever. Cool, bro. Like cool story. There's a consequence to that. And so you just have to be a realist and say, however I am in this sort of like line, there's a consequence. And so as with most things, somewhere in the middle is probably ideal. And so um, whatever that looks like for you, if you could like try to target that. And I think to your point, Brad, really, really good. Try to update your wardrobe a little bit. Try to maybe upgrade or downgrade. Like what if you just took one click in either direction and see how that goes? See what happens. See what happens. Yeah. You've, you've probably gotten the feedback and if you're paying attention and that may be a, a theme that you hear throughout this show today is you are already getting the feedback. If you're attentive and you're aware and you're discerning and you're listening, you're getting some feedback. The reason I have a beard is because my wife likes it. She asked me to never shave my beard and I probably never will do that. There was a time I really kind of struggled with that for many years. I, in my job, I had to be clean shaven and whatever. And I've just felt like that was more professional. I, I can't stand the way that guy looks now. And so I, I do this because this is what my wife likes me to do. Fascinating. And I, I've grown to love it. I I like it too, but, um, it's interesting that I I had a little bit of a, had to grow through some things in order to accept that I have this kind of weird multicolored graying red beard. That is super distinguished. (laughs) But it's intentional. That's the point. Of, that's the point of this, that you're the things you're talking about wardrobe, how you smell, what's your haircut like, and what are the things you wear? Make it intentional. Make there be some purpose behind that. Not just, this is what I have. I don't want to spend the money unless your girl's into that. You want to do thrift store shopping and she thinks that's cool. Go for it. You know, and maybe that will create the conditions to make your garden grow. That is fascinating about your beard. I got rid of my beard because my wife gave me clear sort of feeling her feedback that she wasn't into it. I want a beard. I want, I do. I miss it. I felt so good with it and I would have let it go, go, go. It would have been like a chest beard. It would be that thing that like, I wouldn't have to wear a shirt. ZZ top. Yes. hundred percent. But I, I got rid of it because it wasn't her thing. That's so, cool. That's good. So reading the reading the vibe overtly and then covertly from your wife, like she's sending you signals, pick up on that shiz and then just suck it up. Like if she does or doesn't like a thing, don't take it personally. Like she, she may not be doing a very good job of explaining it. She may not be laying it out for you in like very sympathetic or compassionate terms. She just may be straight up looking at you and saying, I hate that. Right. Whatever. Get over it. Okay. Forgive her for being a terrible communicator in that way. She, she might be super passionate about it. And that's why she is coming at you. And it, it feels like it's some sort of an attack. And, and that could be something that needs to get worked out, but try to get over it. Just hear it for what it is. And then try to de deescalate your own, f- your own defensiveness about it. Uh, um, and just see if you can grow. Yeah. That's just data. That's information. That's, that's you checking the soil. That's you looking to see whether or not this is working. And then you have to make an adjustment. I've been that way with things like cologne. Mike mentioned this cologne. This is only some of the cologne that I have in my office here, but so there are certain kinds of smells that I like 
and I would wear them all the time because I'd like to walk around smelling myself. <laughs> and I found out that's my wife doesn't like that. And so I kind of had to change some of that. And I know some of the things that she prefers and I've avoided some of the things that she doesn't like. And it depends on what you're after. If I want to walk around smelling good and smelling myself, the passion in my relationship may be affected. Sure. There's if a consequence. I wanna, if I want to tune into what she's into, whatever that means, how I look, how I dress, the kinds of fun things I like to do or not do, it's going to make a difference. I want to just, we could probably have a whole show on like sexual satisfaction, but I just want to hit some things for the guy who's listening. And he's like, yeah, the passion in my relationship is totally dead. I heard a guy one time, just let's hit a few points here, Mike, and then we'll move forward. But I heard a guy one time ask his wife at the end of, you know, at, at the end of the marriage, she's basically moving out. And he said, why did we never have sex? And the wife said, because you, you're no good at it. And he never knew that, but he realized that he wasn't very experienced before they got married. He, whatever he learned, he probably learned from porn and he just did not know what he was supposed to be doing sexually. So I guess we don't need to get into a whole, we could probably have a whole show on this and get into some real specifics, but generally what are men doing in the, in the, in the sexual connection itself to ruin the passion? I don't talk to guys, my guys, I don't talk specifically about this. So let me just tell you maybe what my own personal thoughts are and understandings are. I think that once you are engaged there, then I think maybe I've heard this a lot that maybe I've heard this anecdotally or read it, but is it the case? Maybe I'll ask you, is it the case that most men are typically fast and selfish when it comes to sexual engagement. That's a great way to summarize it. Fast and selfish. They have no idea the warm up. you know, they have no idea the, the idea that this is a building process for them and they can just, you know, the wind blows, they have this spraying, right? <laughs> They're ready to go and they can literally be done. And, and the jokes are real. I mean, that's exactly what women are complaining about. You know, it's, does nothing for me. Yeah. From erection to like asleep snoring yeah. on your side of the bed, six minutes, four, five, six, seven, eight minutes. Yes. If you're, I would say this, if your sexual interaction isn't lasting a half an hour to an hour, like ch check, checkmate dude, like yep. wake up. Yeah. Seriously. So walk us through then what you think is that, that sort of like ideal format or what does a guy need to know? I just think he needs to understand th some things about anatomy. I think he needs to understand that she's not like him. And I heard somebody, I don't know if it was a comedian or a, or a professor, I don't know where I heard this, but it was talking about how men's organs are external and they're more easily stimulated. Some of the women's, you know, anatomically, some of their things are internally and it takes, you got, you know, they're not as easily. The math reached. is way different. Yeah, it's, it's, the math is different. And so their response, the buildup, I love the, I think it was Jeff Foxworthy who talked about, you know, women are like diesel engines, uh, you know, it takes a while to get warmed up, but they can go a long, long time. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> but men are more like bottle rockets. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so the truth is that, yeah, it does take a little bit more time for their kind of arousal to happen and for the, for the whole, you know, for the whole experience to be meaningful to them. And I think that if men kind of put their partner first in terms of the, in terms of the, the, the sexual attention, you're going to be a lot better off in the long run, in the long run. You just, you make, did, you just do it first because what happens when you're, when you're done, 
you're ready to be done. You're ready to, you think you're, you're done. Well, you, in, in maybe in all things, put her first. And I think that's included here. Why doesn't the sexual interaction have like this long lead up of say, you know, throughout the whole day, of course. And then, um, dudes, are you like rubbing feet? Are you rubbing shoulders? Are you like, you know, you know what everybody loves to have their head scratch, like, yeah. like pet her hair. You know, like these yep. are real simple, beautiful, uh, tender sort of loving things that I think w if, if they're not like folded into this whole beautiful interaction, then the dude is being selfish and the dude doesn't understand and that's okay. But homeboy needs to like get his, get his act together. And, and like you had said, um, I think we talked about this. Maybe we'll have some good books or some articles or something we can point dudes to. Cause maybe we've just got dudes out there who are completely oblivious and that's, that's probably most of it. I think that there's guys who are like straight up selfish and, and they're idiots and they're knuckleheads. And those are the, you know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Even with their wife, those guys are in bad sexual relationships and they're too stubborn and they're not going to change. That's not our guy. Um, but for the guy who's just hopelessly ignorant and, 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 and innocently ignorant, right? Cause maybe he grew up in, and this is a lot of us. You said this, most of our understandings about sex probably come from porn or movies. They don't come from conversations with older men. They don't come from watching our parents that, you know, what's fascinating is we used to live together in like communal societies where multi-generational groups live together. And then we also lived in small habitation where mom and dad were like freaking getting it on in the, in the <laughs> other room or we're in the room with them or we're trying to like pretend we're asleep while that's happening. Um, what is that movie dances with wolves where the guys he's there in the teepee and then the husband and wife are getting it on. And then he's, he rolls over and like, they're away, you know, they make eye contact all with each other. And then he like, Oh shit. And he rolls away. <laughs> pretends he didn't see it. Like we used to, we used to interact in a way where we could see these dynamics at play. And I think we probably had conversations with men, older men, and they walked us through this stuff. Now it seems to be that we have the pendulum. It's so weird. The public pendulum has gone the other way where people publicly act like prudes generally, except for frat boys and party girls who are out there on YouTube, you know, lifting their shirts up and, and that's one extreme. And so that's an outlier. But typically I think most of us are in these households where, we're, it's really prudent. Like we don't talk about sex and if there's any religion involved in our families, well, the right? shame is surrounding that. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> and so where do boys go to get their sort of understanding and education, of this stuff, probably porn. Right. And so they're probably terribly trained. And so that is it their fault? Yes. And no. And so I think it would be good if we had some resources on that. Yeah. We'll share some things. One thing that I uh, found just an interesting as I've surveyed people over the years is that men kind of expect sex at night. This is their, their way to unwind. They've got this tension for the day. They kind of think that's the ideal way to end the day. We're going to have sex and go to sleep. And that's just almost all men. That's kind of what they want. I find that most women are not interested in doing that at night because they need to feel relaxed. So men need sex to relax and women need to be relaxed in order to enjoy sex. And so I find, and I just ask because I'm curious now, even if it's not relevant necessarily to their case, do you prefer to do this in the morning? Most women are telling me they like the morning sex and guys are like, if they go to sleep without it, they're, they're feeling like shortchanged and like they've got, you know, 
and they're butthurt over it. They're missed out, butthurt, butthurt over it. And so they, um, there's so many things about our needs and our fulfillment that's inverted. I think about the anatomy itself. There's, there's an inverted, uh, you know, there's our parts are opposites. And so very often in so much of this, when we talk about passion, there's this inverted, this opposites that we have to tune into, uh, I want to keep moving on here. One but, thing, before we do, before we do, sure. one last thought on this: Do you think it would be fair to say that the alpha should own up to the to these disparate like realities and then accept it? So rather than putting on her, you so in, if, if you're an alpha, rather than putting on your wife to adapt, come to my side. Would it would it be fair to say that as an alpha, you adapt? Yes, you adapt. You recognize that she may be interested in that one day a month. And that may be totally normal for her. And you want to do this every day. You, you've got this twice a week. The, Dr. Oz, I think, was on Oprah or somewhere before he got famous about, oh, two times a week. That's a normal, healthy sex life or whatever. And guys have these whatever expectation. And I think you're exactly right. You adjust to the reality rather than forcing the reality. And there's so much of this kind of alpha stuff out there that's about how to have more sex and how to be, that's all about selfish, being a narcissistic dog. We don't, we're not, we're not with that brand of alpha. We're talking about how you take care of yourself by taking care of other people and adjusting to the reality acceptance. Man, there's so much health in just accepting things as they are. And you do the adapting, you do the adjusting. Love it. One of the words, so the next thing was about, so the three things that uh, Dr. The, the, uh, Dr. Sternberg here said that we need is passion, intimacy, and commitment. What's the difference between passion and intimacy? Because a lot of times you say, how's the intimacy in your marriage? And people start talking about sex. <laughs> so what is, what is intimacy we're talking about here? He's, he's making a, a difference. Um, he's talking about the closeness. So the feelings of connectedness, bonding, the warmth, and uh, that's different from from sex. I think intimacy is generally we're talking about the emotional connection. One of the things that I did in my past, uh, as part of my uh, as part of my social work career, was I worked in adoption, and as we talk about intimacy and how to how to build that, I had an interesting experience for for almost 10 years, I think it was, I worked in adoption. So a child is placed with a family, uh, an adoptive family, and then we would go into their home for several months afterward to monitor how things are going and so forth. And one of the fears that people always had as they adopted children who were not their biological children was to say, hey, how, how am I going to know if I'm going to love this baby or not? How am I going to how am I gonna love this kid? And the answer was always, well, you feed them and you hold them and you talk to them and you <laughs> play with them and you, and you teach them and you spend time with them. And that, that always seemed to happen. You claim them, you claim them as yours. And so that was one of the things we look for. Are they saying, Oh, our daughter is doing so well. And so that was one of the indicators of a kind of intimacy with this child and their parents. So back to romantic relationships, let's talk Mike about ways that people can, uh, increase the intimacy in their relationship. If that's one of the building blocks, one of the most important things, uh, first of all, how does the average guy 
see intimacy? How is it, what's his understanding of the emotional connection? Low and poor. <laughs> right? Yes. Because I think I think it's true what you said. Most guys, whenever they hear the word intimacy, and it's probably, I probably do that too, I think of sex. I equate the two words, it's the same word. And while there is sexual intimacy, there's also emotional intimacy. And, and I probably don't automatically, my mind probably doesn't automatically go to the other one. And, and that's a flaw because it is probably, if I want this, if I want sexual intimacy, then I need to mature up my emotional intimacy. So that area needs to be really strong. I think it's a really amazing sort of um, experience that you brought up there with adoption, because here you have, a f you have, you have disparate people. And, you know, think about this. The only people in our lives that we are in relationship with um, that we didn't automatically come, how do I want to say this? The people that we're in a relationship, the people we choose, our spouse, we chose them, right? We weren't born to them. They, we didn't, by default, we're not in a relationship with them. We, ch we have chosen them to be in a lifelong committed relationship. And how, do, how did we bond to our partner, our spouse, we did it through everything you just said there. And so that oxytocin is created when we serve, when we spend time, uh, you said the three T's, time, touch, talk, all of those things. That's how we develop a relationship with our spouse. And then if we adopt and incidentally, I have an adopted son, my Elijah, my son is adopted. And that's how I bonded with him is those things and continue to rebond with him and my wife and anyone that I want to be in a relationship with. It's just these basic things. And so that's how, that's freaking how humans have relationships is you spend time with people. You, you look for ways to have contacts. You, you talk, touch, spend time. These are, um, things, you know, if you've read or know who, um, the, the, what's the book? The five love languages, mm -hmm. Gary Chapman, yeah. Gary Chapman, the five love languages, very common. A lot of people have read that and, and understand that and are trying to like even do that in their own lives and relationships. Um, if you care enough to be selfless enough and then do those things and then be sensitive to those things, you will just have good vegetables in your garden. <laughs> it's, it's just that it's that simple formula of like, if I want to have good tomatoes, then I just need to put in the right, um, I just need to create the right environment, put in the right systems. And then automatically, ta-da, magically, I'll have great tomatoes. There'll be pests, there'll be invaders, there'll be things that'll come in and I'll have to be on guard and diligent for and watch for. But if I put in the correct formula to get good tomatoes, then I just will get good tomatoes. So these things seem complicated and they are, I'm not trying to downplay the, the realities and the fact that like all of these are challenging and difficult and sometimes gut wrenching because we, we may have, I may have, so if I say it like this, I may have history, I may have wounds, I may have injuries, emotional, spiritual, whatever that, that are preventing me or, or stifling me from having, you know, these really good, rich relationships. Those are issues. Those are problems. I need to work that crap out. So when alpha recognizes and is a realist and says to himself objectively, I don't do a good job when this situation arises, what do I got to do to 
work that through to work that out. So in my greenhouse analogy, sometimes there'll be an invader that'll come in and we'll get some white fungus or some, some flies. Um, and that's a result of like temperature that's gone awry or what soil pH that's gone awry or all these other things that are happening that are creating the symptom. So the symptom is what I see on the leaf. The, the, the cause is something else and I need to get to the root of that and figure that out. So the symptom is the fact that like my, my, my 18 year old daughter doesn't want to talk to me or be in the same room with me. That's the symptom. The cause goes way deeper than that. And, and the dude needs to like own that the fact that, you know, just real, just be a realist about that. Like my teenage daughter doesn't want, doesn't want to see my face. What's up with that? Some of that's on her, but I probably have contributed to that. So I, I think that there's just so many ways to go about discussing this one that um, are worth the time and effort to do it. So I think about intimacy in a romantic relationship. That's really the friendship part to me. I heard somewhere, I don't know where I saw this or heard it. Someone talked about um, a friend knows your favorite song and they sing it to you. They sing it to you when you, when you need it. And I really like that because so much of the intimate connection, the intimacy, the warmth, the emotional bonding comes from just knowing the preferences and the needs of the other person. Uh, Gary, uh, not, uh, uh, John Gottman, the Gottman Institute, they have a, a little exercise called love maps. And really basically that's kind of the, almost like the newlywed game or it's a, it's a little bit of a, a questionnaire about how well do you know your spouse or your partner? Do you know their favorite color even? I can't tell you how many men don't know the favorite food and the favorite color and whether or not they like this type of, you know, clothing or, you know, if they were going to buy a gift, they have no idea even where they would go to find how it, to start, how to, wh where to begin with that. And so it's really knowing uh, and having an interest in the other person, listening to them, you know, think about what a friend would do to your, with your woman, a friend would listen, a friend would be on their side, a friend would take their side. You know, there's some drama at their job. Her friend would take her side, even if she's full of shit, they're just going to accept and love and know where a really sad case I had recently. And this has been a, this is a 25 year relationship. I'm working with this couple, the wife, maybe she's a typical, a typical feminine where she, you know, has a need to talk and, you know, she comes home and needs to really kind of vent all these things. And her husband looks at her and kind of says, why do I care? And he has, there are things about this relationship that he's unfulfilled about, <laughs> trust me, but he, he has no idea that what's missing here is this, is this intimacy part. He's not her friend. And so he makes her feel like crap when she comes home to say, you wouldn't believe what happened at work today and what's going on between these people in this, in this drama. And he looks it over, he looks over her and he's like, who gives a shit? That's kind of the worst case. That's on the far end of you are not being her friend. And it's just sad to me to see how men don't understand the impact of that kind of, you know, what happens in the, in the bigger picture when they can't, be close that way. That makes me think about, um, that, that quote, the opposite of love is not hate. It's apathy. Mm. And so didn't, didn't you have a note in here that said one of the greatest markers of a relationship is lack of interest. Do you remember that? 
maybe that's further down. Maybe we're going to get to that. But I thought that was something that was, and they got, and the Gottman Institute talks about that too. Like one of the precursors of a relationship that is kind of, I don't think there's any relationships that's unsalvageable, but a relationship that is really doomed. Is that too harsh of a word is one where there is, there's no passion. There's no, so like, let me say it this way. If you are eliciting anger from your spouse, there's love there. There's, there's, sure. you're, you're bringing emotion out. There's emotion, maybe negative and it may not be worth, you may not look at it as positive, but it is positive because there's still emotion there. It's when you're interacting with your spouse and they don't give a crap about right. it. You're here. You're not here. None of it matters to them that's red flag, red danger zone. Is that what you've seen? Yeah. So conflict is a form of intimacy too. <laughs> There's caring, Yeah. you know, and I see people who maybe they're even years into a divorce and if they're still fighting to me, that says there's still some unresolved some, stuff there. Sure. So I like what you said about the opposite of love is not hate. It is apathy. And I think men are just, cause we're emotionally kind of tuned off. You to start this segment, you were talking about Men do this poorly and well. It's a matter of like emotional intelligence, reading the cues, looking at uh, nonverbal, you know, expressions, or even just the outright. She comes out and she's crying, and a guy freaks out. He doesn't know what to do with that. He's afraid of these tears. And what does a friend do? What does a person who has healthy intimacy with his wife do when she's crying? What would a guy do who's trying to steal your wife away do? <laughs> He would hug her. He would say, oh, baby. <laughs> he would wipe her tears and just say, come, come, let me comfort you. You know, I'll be your strength. Why can't the dude be that way? Why does it, why does a woman have to have an affair, right. be attracted to another man at, with the, with the intent of having an affair to get the sort of like emotional support that she's after? Why can't I do that to my wife now? Serious. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah. So this is, you know, men are so interested in the passion one and they don't realize how they're damaging that one. They're not emotionally tuned in, uh, conversation, you know, I think about that's what girls do a lot of times when they're talking to the friend, they're just talking. And sometimes that is the solution. Just, you don't have to try to fix it. She's talking to you. She's venting off something. That's one way to increase the intimacy is to just hold space or whatever she's feeling, hold space for that. I was, uh, a few years ago, I wrote a blog article about this. A few years ago, I was at uh, uh, Cheesecake Factory on Valentine's Day. There was a long line, and I kind of interviewed these couples. I saw these older couples, and I said, hey, what, you okay, it's Valentine's Day. I'm a therapist, and I work with couples, and I'm interested in why you are together. How long have you been together? 40 years. <laughs> You've been together 40 years. What's made it work? It's Valentine's Day. We're all just waiting for tables at Cheesecake Factory. And this one guy, I'll never forget, he was from some like Eastern Indian country. I don't know what it, where it was, but he said, the, the trick is listen to her. And I can't even, I, I don't even know the accent, but he says, listen to her. And he just kept saying that over and over. Listen to her. Well, I felt like I was having this profound experience with this dude. We had a three minute conversation. He kept telling me to listen to her. I, d I did not realize at the time that my wife was fuming. She was mad at me because this was our first date in a way too long because of our kids. We have six boys and it's hard to get away. Sometimes our first date in a very long time, she was dressed up looking so good. 
and I'm in the Cheesecake Factory talking to this dude, thinking about my next blog article. Not paying attention to her, not and, doing what this guy is telling you to do. he's telling me, listen to her. And he just kind of <laughs> smiled. Like the he irony was like, of it. The irony. He's like Gandhi or something. He's looking at me like, listen to her. And if I could just have looked over and seen and then i got mad that she was mad i thought hey i'm just i'm just <laughs> look i'm just having social c- c- conversation here she wanted me to be looking at her and listening to her yep. just like the man was saying so so intimacy there's so many ways to to create that and develop that but to be a friends you know have conversation there's so many different types of intimacy you know spiritual intimacy Emotional stuff is what we've been talking about. Financial intimacy. Maybe you're, you have intimacy over, I don't know, Lord of the Rings or uh, Harry Potter or whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, entertainment type of intimacy. But there's so many ways to develop that. You just have to believe that you can improve it and start paying attention. Can I throw this out there? So I think women, I think women probably generally get this, that their husband is not their best. Let me say this carefully. Let me, let me think this through. Just, I want to get my words right. So I think women typically generally understand that their husband, their boyfriend, whatever is not their girlfriend. He is a, he is his own little creature. She wants that relational conversational intimacy with him. But I think she also gets that he's not her girlfriend. Right. And, and to the dude, Dudes, husbands, boyfriends, we should be tolerant, not to, to, I want to, I just want to pick really good words here. We should be compassionate and sympathetic to the fact that if we give our wives and girlfriends enough latitude to maintain, to keep and maintain their relationships with their girlfriends, with their chick friends. Okay. Yes. And so it is important for us to, um, and I almost use the word allow because that's uh, wrong. Right. We're not allowing her. She doesn't need our approval or permission to support go. Support it. Maybe support. Support it. Yes. So I want to be very, I want to be thoughtful here with these vocabulary words because words matter. And I do not want to create the thought or belief that I'm saying we're letting, baby, I'm letting you go out tonight <laughs> with your friends. I'm giving you permission to go out and see right. your, see th- that guy's a jerk. Yeah. That guy's an ass. So if you're the kind of guy and straight up, if you're the kind of guy who is controlling and, and is, is then putting weird constraints on your wife. And when she goes out with her friends, then you're an idiot. You're a jackass. Let me just qualify that though, because there's a flip side and I can hear the flip side of that. Maybe she's got super toxic friends. So maybe this dude, I mean, you know, these are never black and white. Right, yeah. There's never absolutes. So you want to like really take this and, and I don't want to present this as in black and white either. But in general terms, most dudes, most, most, I think, I think most women don't have toxic friends. And I think most guys are not controlling assholes. Those are the outliers. Right. But those situations exist. So for most of us, we're married to very sensible wives with very sensible, really, who and, and our wives have very sensible friendships and their friends are sound and wise and good influences and offer good structural support. And so men should encourage, maybe this is the word I wanna use, dudes, encourage your wife to go out and spend time with her high level, high quality friends. And wives, 
encourage your husband to go out for bro time with his high quality friends, with the, with the guys who speak wisdom uh, into his life and into his world. And so if both parties have really good high level relationships outside of that bonded relationship and, and both trust the, the friend groups that they have on the other side, that should be encouraged on both sides. It's dangerous though. If, if like, if my wife has good high level friends, but my, my friends are jerks and idiots and all we, you know, then I think my wife should be suspicious and maybe a little thoughtful and careful about me going out. And I don't know how she can coach me into finding a better friend group, but that's probably needs to happen. Or I need to check myself and realize my friends are idiots. So it's interesting. We're talking about intimacy and we're saying sometimes that is fostered by them going away from you, by them going to have intimacy elsewhere. They're going to have intimacy with their friends. They're going to go be close with their girlfriends, or you might need that with your dude time. So I, I find that as a problem in so many relationships where, especially like say an insecure beta type man, I've been that guy before where I was afraid for them to be almost out of my sight. I was afraid for them to go off and have fun and laugh all night or to enjoy a, a festival or walking around a, some parade or whatever it might be like, Oh no, she's having a good time with other people. I see people who even do that with their, with their families and stuff like that. They're, you know, they, they go on a trip, they travel with their, with the, uh, the other, you know, with her family, uh, brothers and sisters, adult family or whatever. And the guy is so worked up and worried about that. And it just, that's, a, that's, that's one of those narcissistic, selfish, controlling, insecure. You got a problem. If you, if you, if, if these are healthy, non-toxic people who your, your woman is just trying to, to get some of those needs met in a healthy way and you can't support that and encourage it, that's a problem. But it does, I think, when, when there is a safe, healthy co connection to other people, we're bringing this back to intimacy and romantic relationship, that really does foster that. Heck yeah. Some time away, and Mike does it, he goes all the way out of the country for that. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's super important for each of us to spend time outside of that little bubble with each other and then get fed and get lifted up and get like energized and pumped up have that away time. Cause then the reunion time is sweeter. It's better. Yeah. I've missed you. And, 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 and coming back together feels great. All right. Any other thoughts on building intimacy in a romantic relationship? Uh, no, I think we hit it, but uh, hopefully in the comments, you guys are like going to throw up some new thoughts or new ideas or maybe um, extra things that we could uh, use as ideas for like future conversations or have those conversations in the chat, in the Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're listening to this, wherever there's the chance to throw up comments, please do it. We find that most of our listeners are coming through iTunes. So we're asking you to leave a rating and review there. Follow us on Instagram. Our uh, handle is at Alpha Quorum. Like us on Facebook. Share feedback wherever you wherever you can. Uh, where if you know Mike or myself, our phone numbers through social media. We'd love to just hear what it is uh, that that you how you see our show and what do you think it is that we can improve. We appreciate you being with us. Men change their lives by working with a tribe of men to improve their actions, attitudes, and attributes. Boom. Gentlemen, you are the Alpha, and this is the Alpha Quorum.